I feel like I'm laughing like I'm from Bridgerton. Like, oh, I don't know why I'm laughing like Queen Elizabeth today. Hello and welcome to The Joyful Drinker, a podcast for anyone that drinks that wants to drink a little less. I'm your host, Ellie Webb, and I believe that if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better. Through honest conversations and real-life stories, I'm on a mission to uncover the benefits of taking a few more alcohol-free days each week. By sharing my guests' own perspectives on balance and moderation, I hope we can all take away some inspiration and learn from the powerful habits they picked up along the way. If you're curious about the benefits that balanced drinking can bring to your week, then pour yourself a glass of something tasty and let's meet today's guest. So I'm here today with Camilla Ainsworth, business consultant and youngest ever finalist to star on The Apprentice. Camilla was just 22 when she starred in the 2018 hit series The Apprentice and also started a successful vegan nut milk business called Milk Plus, which she launched in her early 20s. Camping or glamping? Glamping, absolutely. That <laughs> literally before the words even came out of your mouth. Have you been glamping before? Um, I've been camping before, and I know I didn't want to do that ever again. So I presume, <laughs> yeah. I just think, oh no, camping is absolutely not for me because I'm a clean freak. My hands are like dried chicken feet because I use hand sanitizer all the time. Like, what did you do so before dry. COVID? <laughs> you know what? I was still a clean freak pre-COVID. But you like, just didn't. You, you didn't know. Didn't yeah, yeah, but I did used to sanitize and carry it around with me. I had like a little clip that used to clip onto like if I wore a belt, genuinely that had hand sanitizer on. So I was a clean freak pre-COVID. Oh. Fun fact, funish. Welcome, Camilla. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me, Ellie. Huge, huge welcome to the Joyful Drinker podcast. So let's dive right in before getting on the show. I heard you actually wrote down getting on The Apprentice as one of your big goals when you were just 21. True news. How did you make that happen? Was it luck or was it hard work? I think for me, I'm a big believer in, you know, luck is a very prevalent factor in things that go on, but I think it's active luck. So I put myself in a position for that luck to find me. Um, So I've always said that I'm a bit of an opportunist and I've been brought up um, to always write goals down. Like my dad is big on flip charts. Like this is why I'm a stationary enthusiast. Like from (laughs) day dot, um, I've always, always written goals down. So New New Year's Day, um, most families are obviously a bit merry on the uh, on the drinks. My dad gets out the flip chart, the whole family, there's like 20 of us, and he's like, right, it's time to set goals for the new year. And everyone's complaining and um, huffing and puffing. But I remember that year, so it will have been 2017, I wrote down on the flip chart, um, get on BBC Apprentice, and the action for that, there was like a little action box, and it said, do banging application so I must have been on the drinks a little bit it was a a nice balance (laughs) um and I feel like because I'd said that to my family I was accountable like I'd said it to 20 people so it would have been a little bit embarrassing if like I'd have put it down and hadn't made it happen so I tried to you know move hell and high water to get on to the show and yeah it was it 
was obviously successful in the end. Yes, I love that. I'm really wondering what else is on this flip chart. <laughs> <laughs> I think uh, I also put get six pack. That one didn't happen. <laughs> I think we've all written that one. Yeah. <laughs> and then I put uh, beat mum at St. Anne's Triathlon and she actually beat me plot twist. I can't actually believe I'm admitting to that on this podcast. Can we edit that bit out? Um, no, I'm joking. So two, one out of three is not bad. I'll take it. Um, but yeah, now I've tend, I tend to move a little bit more away from God goals and I'm more of a systems person after mm. I read something in a book um and it was quite shocking for me because I am a self-confessed goals whore basically um so basically this book was saying when you set goals you're basically in a constant state of failure because right. until you hit those goals you've not got that positive reinforcement instead if you set systems so for me I'm running a marathon that's that's the goal but until I've done that like when I'm doing 15 kilometers, I'm, I, f I don't feel great about myself. So instead you flip it to be a system of, you know, run consecutively every day or whatever. And then you like being constantly reinforced and it's a much more positive way to do things. So the game's been changed a little bit there. Scott Adams, that was a really good book that I'd recommend. Good recommendation. Mm. So are they, just so I'm understanding it, is it like having mini goals that mm. ladder up to the bigger? Yeah, it's bigger goal. Yeah, it's more it's more an act that you do day in, day out. So it might be you want to lose three stone is the goal, but the system is to eat healthily. So every time you do that you're being reinforced. Whereas until you lose three stone, you feel like shit because you have you haven't lost three stone. Yeah. So it's just a mindset shift and I think it's better as humans to instead of being in a constant state of failure, to instead be, you know, ticking off the 1% improvements Definitely. daily. I love a tick box. Mm. I, live, I live for ticking things off my list. <laughs> so I'd love to ask you about your experiences on the show. Yeah. Was it stressful and did you feel challenged? Yes and yes. Very stressful. Um, definitely, definitely uh, aged me and made me grow up very really? fast I think um, in the apprentice process what people don't see is the kind of psychological element behind it so you just see as a user as a viewer that you know there's these 16 people that are just making a bit of a fool of themselves but yeah. you don't see the 4am starts you don't see you don't have a phone you don't have contact with the outside wor world for 12 weeks um, and you put with people that you're supposed to They've picked you specifically for you to kind of rub each other the wrong way. So mm. there's a lot going on. So that was the stressful part of it. The challenging part of it was pretending you knew what you were doing. <laughs> I feel like that, I got very good at that actually, pretending that you know what you're doing, even if you're completely out of your comfort zone. Um, yeah. Because if you show weakness in a show like that, the producers hang on to that storyline. Yeah. Um, and as soon as you realise that, you know, the better it is for you to fare in the process. Interesting what you said there around kind of faking it till you make mm. it and, and you know, pretending yeah. what you were doing. You were quite young yeah. at the time, you know, one of the youngest ever contestants. Did the other contestants take you seriously? And do you think they underestimated you because you got to the final? Yeah, I think there was a, a large sprinkle of underestimating going on <laughs> a rather large sprinkle and they all say that they openly admit to me they were they said you know as soon as we asked your name we asked how old you were we basically just wrote you off as competition right. really um and for me I've always been brought up to think that nothing's a barrier to success so age isn't uh, gender isn't you know um 
I've, I've had these intrinsically instilled in me from young. Um, so I backed myself. No, like none of the other contestants did until I kind of, you know, we were in about week nine. Um, and no one even asked me what my business was because they just thought she's too young. Uh, but I think in business and in life, actually being young and being a bit naive is a quality that you should bottle and use to your advantage because it means you don't overthink things like when you've been in the game for ages you can almost overthink decisions but when you're young and naive you make split decisions based on your gut and I think that that actually if you harbor it is powerful and that's mm. what I did throughout it um and you have that fearlessness when you're young you've you got do. the fearlessness and the hunger um and you can use your powers to your advantage. So my superpower, I would say, in The Apprentice was being gregarious, like getting on with people. Yeah. Because my tactic was get on with people and then they won't bring you back into the boardroom. <laughs> even if you even if you fail the task, like they're not going to bring you back in. And they say, obviously, that, you know, it's business and you don't mi mix business with pleasure and friendships. But there are times when I pardon my French, but f***ed up the task. And I should have been brought back in, but I didn't because the people knew that even though I might have messed up a little bit, yeah. they um, they didn't bring me back because like, we had got... allies. We had allies, exactly. Um, and they knew that what I was capable of. like, And it was just like one mistake and, um, and then they saw that. So, yeah. yeah. Looking back, would you have done anything differently? Mm, I don't think so. Part of me sometimes thinks like if I'd have gone on it when I was a bit older, mm. then I would have known more um, because I'm the first to hold my hands up and say that I was not the most refined business person at the time. And knowing what I know now and having a toolkit that is armed with what I know now, um, I feel like I could have, you know, fared better. But in the long run, it was the best outcome for me. I always said, like, me and me and my dad are really close. And we said the best outcome for me would be not to win, but have that exposure on the business and those eyes on it. So, no, I don't think I would, actually. Um, I think everything fell into place nicely, and it was my time. No regrets. No regrets, absolutely. I was trying to think earlier of a saying when you were talking about luck and hard work. Mm. There's a saying that I really like that says when hard mm. work meets opportunities, yes. that is luck. And I love that because it is a mixture. People mm. say, oh, you're lucky to get on The Apprentice or, yeah. you know, you stumbled onto that opportunity, but you didn't. No. You wrote it down yeah. on your flip chart, mm -hmm. you worked really hard on the application, you made it happen. Yeah. And you were given an opportunity. And, and Off the made. back of it. Yeah, absolutely. And people, and I do get quite triggered when I'm watching The Apprentice because so many people write horrible things about the candidates. And I know it's a TV show, but I know that every single person on that show is credible. Like a lot of them have like first class honours degrees yeah. or, you know, they've got six figure businesses already. Um, and you're shown an hour out of 24 hours where you're sleep deprived you've not got any contact with the outside world um, and those people they've got balls like to put themselves out there is crazy like it, I I hold my hat my hold take my hat off is that the phrase and hold my hands up it's a hybrid of the two um 
to anyone that goes on TV. I've got a newfound respect for people definitely after living and breathing it. Um, but I re- yeah, I really like that quote as well. And one of the books that I also read was The Look Factor, which I've recommended to you, haven't I? And that was saying there's loads of different ways you can improve your look. And one of them was like building a network of look. So meeting people. Yes. Um, there was actually an exercise in the book and it was, you had to, put a tick box in a column and it was people's um, surnames. So if you knew someone that had that surname, you put a tick. So it was proving that the more people you know, the bigger your network of look. And I think there was 15 surnames and I got 14 out of 15, which wow. is pretty good. I think you'd be pretty good at it. I'm going to send you the little test afterwards. Oh, give it a go. Why I'll not? give it a go. I, you, never, you never lose out from, from meeting someone new. I no, just, I exactly. always say you get something out of it. Yeah. Now, one thing I'm really dying to ask you. Now, there are some very, very early starts mm. on The Apprentice, horrendously yep. early. When you win a task, you see the guys celebrating everyone's super happy because you work so hard are there some pretty boozy nights absolutely not exclusive (laughs) there was one drop of alcohol the entire time like you win a task you have champagne in a flute and then you have one sip of it and then they take it away from you which is interesting yeah very interesting so they don't actually let you drink no absolutely not why is that um, I think it's because they want you to be laser focused. Mm. Um, obviously, there's girls and boys in the house. They don't want any relationships. Panky, panky. Exactly. <laughs> we do not want any of that because it gets complicated. And of course, of course. I feel like alcohol always fuels mistakes. T- it tends to anyway. There's a correlation there. And also in productivity, um, if there was alcohol involved, it just kind of takes away from the seriousness of the, the show. Yeah. Um, and also, yeah, we wouldn't run on time. Like being woken up at four, if you had a boozy night, would just not Can work. Can you imagine trying to... It'd be like herding cats, honestly. I genuinely, when we were up at 4am, I used to prioritise an extra 10 minutes in bed. If it meant I only had one eyebrow on a task, so be it. I, on the gardening task, I think it was week seven, I genuinely have one eyebrow like that I'd drawn on and the re- the other one was just an oh natural brow. But I just thought, well, I'm 10 minutes more equipped than the other contestants here. So I've got 10 minutes more juice in the tank, to be honest. <laughs> um, but yes, yeah, sleep is imperative in the apprentice process and yeah it it is interesting because when you look at love island as well mm. you think that they drink all the time i've had a few i've got a few friends that have been on love island and they said that they're allowed three drinks max so on their boozy party nights they're not boozy party nights no. because that really would get out of hand because that's a love and dating show well exactly and you can imagine how that could very oh, quickly get out absolutely yeah so yeah i feel like not many people know that but even if a treat is, is like cocktail making you'll get to try one sip of a cocktail that you've made and it's all for filming purposes you don't actually get to do the treats which is going to ruin the apprentice for so many people sauce about that um but yeah i feel like alcohol it just does not bode well with business shows exclusive you heard it here first mm, juicy. no alcohol allowed on the apprentice speaking of which obviously this is the joyful drinker podcast and we do talk about drinking yeah. um and alcohol and people's relationship with drinking and how that kind of affects their their goals and and you know what you want to get after you mentioned you feel like having 
had if you'd had alcohol um, in the apprentice, it would have affected your productivity. Do you generally find that in your day to day life? You know, obviously since the apprentice and going on to mm. to run your business and work for other clients. Yeah, absolutely. If I have had a boozy night the night before, nothing is getting done the next day. I don't know how people do it. I'll hold my hands up. I'm a massive lightweight anyway. Um, I get the most horrendous hangovers. I need to eat a loaf of bread minimum to soak up the alcohol. And I just, I feel like my family are very health conscious. Like these days, health is less of a trend, more of an expectation. So my dad doesn't drink and hasn't mm. done for years. Um, so I've been brought up that, you know, it's a poison which it is, um, like it, it can be a fun poison sometimes. But I think there's this correlation between needing alcohol and being confident. Mm. But I actually am miles more sharp and witty when I'm sober than when I'm drunk. When I'm drunk, my humour is like Punch and Judy. It's so <laughs> obvious. It's like, oh, like he's behind you type humour jokes. I find hilarious. But when I, I'm sober, I don't think that's funny at all. So I'm a different person. Yeah, so no, I do not think that when you're running a business and if you want to be a master of your minutes, that alcohol can be a part of that, in my honest opinion. Yeah, we've had a few guests on the show so far uh, that also run their own businesses mm. and have said the same thing, like productivity massively affected and it just isn't worth it mm. um, when you're trying to make something a success. Yeah. And it's the same for just in your day job, you know, if you... I think it was uh, Millie uh, Gooch. Yes. Sober Girl Society. Love Millie. When she worked in PR, just felt that she was no good to anyone mm. and it wasn't helping her career at all, um, having these big hangovers or just you know, even a small hangover. So, yeah. Interesting. Speaking of all things health and fitness, you're also training for a marathon this year for the first time. Yes. What made you set yourself that challenge? Is, was this written on the flip chart? <laughs> I'm guessing you know what it was. it was. It fully, fully was because I wrote down my 2022 um, at systems, not goals. Um, <laughs> I wrote those down first of January, and that was on that. And I've just literally written complete it, um, yeah. like no time or anything. Okay. Um, but and yeah, what, what made you set that challenge, and how is it going? Um, what made me set it? My friend was doing it. I had FOMO massively and I thought I want to do that. Like I want to say that I've done a marathon before I'm 30. I used to say that I wanted to do an Ironman by the time I was 30, which is a triathlon basically of a ridiculous distance. Um, but I thought, you know what, I'll break it down into the discipline. So marathon first. So I did it because my friend, my best friend was doing it. So okay. I thought, oh, I had visions of us training together, like going on lovely jogs, going for smoothies and green juice afterwards, like the girls in sex in the city, not that they train for a marathon. But plot twist, anyway, she's not doing it anymore, which is absolutely brilliant. So I'm training on my oh, own. No. I've trained in despicable conditions because in my lovely dreamland of marathon training with my best mate I forgot that it was the, the depths of winter yeah. so it's been super challenging so so challenging I can't even put into words there's been so many times that I've just like felt emotional because I just I'm not a runner like I've gone from zero to a marathon in 11 weeks but it just proves like again you know so many people message me saying you're not gonna be able to do that in 11 weeks but I think for me I do love being underestimated and mm. people that say I know. can't <laughs> have like it won't be done like I will prove that it can be done yeah. 
Um, even if it kills me, I will get over that line. Um, but yeah, I think that the main struggle was like the time of year training when it's dark in the mornings, dark in the evenings. Um, but I'm getting up there. So I did a 32 kilometer run last week, wasn't able to move for four working days afterwards. Felt like I've been dropped from a 12 story building. Um, but yeah, I feel like for the mindset, amazing. And my fitness has come on loads. Um, health is wealth. See, I really am being a champion today for um, all the slogans. That's amazing and really inspiring that you can set a goal and go after it, even if you are out of your comfort mm. zone with it. And like you said, you're not really a runner not at or all. a big fan of running and you're running yeah. a marathon. Yeah. I have actually just convinced my marathon coach because I did get a marathon coach because I think in life, if you can identify that someone knows more about something than you do, yeah. outsource and feed off their knowledge um so he's just agreed to run it with me because he entered the marathon so I basically was like pulling on the heartstrings I was like please will you run it with me like please 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 um but but it was hilarious on my message I was like absolutely no obligation absolute context run with me or I'll think you're a knob (laughs) no I'm joking (laughs) but um yeah so he's agreed to run it with me so that's good. good um and I feel like I'm just mentally prepared now. Resilience is key. You know, it's a short-term pain, long-term gain. And I think a, a big teaching that he has taught me is train hard, race easy. So we were training in Storm Eunice, however you pronounce it, and it was horrendous. Yeah. Um, but on the actual day, it's not going to be like that. So, no. Yeah, he wouldn't want to be running a marathon. No, and you that can take... quite yeah. a challenge. And you can take inspiration from that, the train hard, race uh, easy in a business sense as well like putting the groundwork mm. and then like interviews or pitch meetings or whatever will be easy so there's connotations with anything I think love that I've known you for a little while and I know how incredibly self-motivated you are in fact this entire chat really is mm. about motivation and and motivating yourself to go after the next challenge you're also the queen of sayings and slogans. Yeah, I am. So <laughs> what are some of the sayings that you live by? Oh, this question's perfect. I love this question how so happy much. You are. I know, yeah, like a Cheshire cat. Um recently I'm loving um two sayings and these are these are relatively new ones because I am a sucker for recycling the same sayings. <laughs> um I won't lie, but these are new. Um so one of them is knowing that the time is going to pass regardless. So whether you choose to launch the podcast, launch the business, go on that date that you're a bit scared of, the time is going to pass regardless. It's going to come to Saturday or, you know, whenever it is that you were going to launch the podcast. And regardless of whether you do it, you're going to be, you know, that bit older or whatever. Because I know loads of people are like, oh, I want to go back to uni or I want to do this, but I'll be 34 by the time I've done that course you're going to be 34 anyway whether you do it or not so I think that was imperative for me for opening my eyes um, and just being a bit more fearless and channeling what we were talking about earlier when you're younger that fearlessness like as you get older we kind of get put in this bubble of being scared of things and scared of putting ourselves out there but I think everyone should channel their inner child another thing that I um, took some inspiration from recently was a book that God, I'm a walking, talking encyclopedia. Um, <laughs> we're saying that we got 4,000 weeks. Like you and I, we've got four. In fact, we haven't We haven't even got 4,000 oh weeks God. left. Let's not work out how many we've got. Um, <laughs> so when you actually 
accept that that is the finite time that we've got on this earth it sounds depressing but it's not only if you choose it to be that way you live life so differently and I had that awakening where I just thought oh my god like nobody cares whether you do something or not two mistakes that you make are caring what people think and thinking that they care so don't waste your 4,000 weeks caring about anything that anyone says just do things according to you oh my god we've news just in I it's at me so I've got 2,648 weeks how many has Ellie got 31 (laughs) I've got even less (laughs) how depressing (laughs) oh my god is revealing to us I was wondering what he was doing I thought he was (laughs) yeah wow how many have you got 2,400 and we're in the same bracket right oh god so yeah we've not even got that so life just change changes and I think that that is just really important to remember yeah life is you know (laughs) short this is not meant to be depressing no but but I think it's it's not I think it's empowering if anything like if anyone listens to this and thinks it's depressing then you're looking at it all wrong yes go out yeah do whatever go after your goals absolutely yeah leave behind a legacy baby (laughs) uh one more question before i ask you the wild card question i'd love to know generally uh, this podcast is called the joyful drinker because we want to talk about ways that inspire us to bring more joy to our week and Mm. and sometimes that is you know cutting down your alcohol rephrasing your relationship with not just drink but also food what brings joy to you every week um I think it sounds cliche spending time with friends family getting outside is key for me like you'll know this because I've said it a million times but um, I've got my two pet goats which are just the light of my lives Um, they are very cute names on my Instagram password (laughs) so can't reveal that um and I just think yeah just being with friends being with family being my true authentic self which I think recently I have actually just really fell into a a pattern where I am just being myself at the moment um, and that brings me joy um reading um and um and yeah just living living my best life basically love it fabulous final question final question which is a wild card so it's different every time and (laughs) drum roll I'm quite intrigued about this one. What is something you've always wanted to do but haven't yet had the chance? Ooh. Um, What's something that I've always wanted to do but haven't had the chance? Um, I would really like to climb Kilimanjaro. I feel like mm. that is going to... I've said it out loud now, so it's going to have to happen. Uh-oh. Um, I would love to do that. And the reason that I didn't do it was obviously the pandemic, which is has been a great excuse to not do it. But <laughs> I can't use that anymore. So I think next summer I'm going to put that into action. Um, and, and yeah, just own that Good goal. Good for you. Thank that you. That is an amazing challenge. Mm. And I look forward to hearing yeah. the progress what's yours Update. what's yours I feel like I want to be the podcast um oh, host for a second me. um I would love to travel the world mm. I mean, for me travel like yeah you've got seeing the you, yeah, yeah I haven't really itchy feet a little bit have you heard that phrase because I have you not because I went on a date 
a while ago, like three years ago. And we were talking about travel. And I was like, oh, I've got itchy feet talking about it. And he was like, itch them then. And I was like, um, no, no, it's a phrase. Like, no, 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 no. Anyway, the date was cut very short after the ah, because he also spelt lasagna, L-A-S-A-N-Y-A. So it was a multi-pronged approach. Um, but yeah, have you not heard, have you heard the phrase? I've heard itchy the feet? phrase, yeah, of course. Itchy yeah. Okay, good. Yeah, because I was thinking, I was thinking, oh God, scratch if you, my feet. Yeah. <laughs> no, but I was just thinking whether it was me, where is it where whether it was a me issue say, using no. these phrases. No, but fine. you have got itchy feet from yes. talking about travel. Yeah. Yeah, and I think maybe it's just we haven't been able to travel that much over the last mm. few years and also starting a business yes. like with Kalenio is not conducive to travelling no. all the time. But I would love, love, yeah. love, love to travel. Do you think you could run Kalenio remotely? Like say you got offered the opportunity to live like somewhere you'd love to do. Like would you try and make it work or would you say no to that opportunity? I'm intrigued. Question. Yeah. <laughs> I, at the moment, the business is in a really uh, like mm. em, not embryonic, but yeah. really uh, like hands on. Th- three years in, yeah. and I feel like in those early years, you mm. have to put your everything agreed into it. And sometimes being remote, you know, even you can still do stuff. You know, of course, mm-hmm. we live in a remote world, but that human interaction you'd miss out on. Yeah. So whilst I might be having a great time on the beach somewhere, I yeah. just would feel yeah. I wasn't in it. Yeah, you live in it. You need to live and breathe it in yeah. these in these early stages. I, I agree. So. Yeah. yeah, afraid I'm not going to be uh, ever going to no, Barbados. Just damn yet. it! <laughs> That's all my questions. <laughs> no, I'm joking. Thank you. Thank you for the interview. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks very very much, Camilla, for being on the Joyful Drinker podcast. You've been a fabulous guest, and I have absolutely loved answering answering your questions and asking <laughs> you questions. Yeah, I've loved it. Thank you so much for having me. I appreciate that. You've been listening to The Joyful Drinker, hosted by me, Ellie Webb. There'll be a new episode released every fortnight, so make sure you hit that subscribe button to avoid missing out. Also, just a small reminder that ratings and reviews really help people discover great podcasts. So if you've got some kind words to share, they'd be very much appreciated. In the meantime, come and find me on socials. I'm at Kalenyo Ellie. I'd love to connect with you all and feedback on the podcast is always welcome. See you next time for another episode of The Joyful Drinker. And remember, if we all drank a little less each week, we'd all feel a whole lot better.